The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 420 for June 22nd, 2014. Amazon announces the Fire Phone, T-Mobile announces more uncarrier initiatives, and multiple sources report on iWatch rumors. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, kicking things off this week, the European Commission and South Korea on Monday announcing plans to define the future of 5G wireless standards. They'll also be developing technologies to support the standard. The two groups signed a joint declaration of strategic corporation and information communications technology, also known as an ICT, and that will increase the discussions and research around the topic. A wide number of companies will participate, including Alcatel-Lucent, Deutsche Telekom, Ericsson, Nokia, Orange, Telecom Italia, Telnor, Telefonica, Samsung, LG, SK Telecom, and others. One of the ideas behind 5G is not just to increase speeds, but significantly boost capacity. Capacity improvements will help the 5G networks of the future handle potential of the devices connecting to them, such as tablets, phones, wearables, vehicles, and of course, the Internet of Things. The collaboration has three main goals. First, develop a broad definition of the key functionalities of 5G and create a timetable for creation by the end of 2015. Number two, kick off joint research in the pursuit of 5G by 2016 in coordination with the 3GPP and ITU. And number three, agree on global radio frequency bands for 5G in order to promote interoperability and roaming between carriers and countries. LT has some room for growth in terms of speeds, but capacity is limited and the potential for global roaming is limited as well due to the wide number of spectrum bands used by carriers around the world. So what does all that mean? Well, it basically means that we're looking at the future of wireless and we're looking at the different things that uh, are going to go into the definition and creation of that new technology and so it's obviously we take the LTE networks of today then we look at LTE advanced this is beyond that and this is probably something that we're really going to see in place probably seven ten years from now this is not a next year thing so either way though very interesting to hear that this kind of work is starting to happen now for stuff that we'll be talking about many years down the road. And, you know, just like with the 3G and the, the 4G networks that we're kind of currently on, you know, these definitions do, uh, they do provide guidelines for, you know, what they are. And you do have to have some sort of frame of reference. And that really is what this provides for us. Well, and I, I know one of the things for me that's most exciting about this, at least that it's part of the conversation at this point, is the consolidation of radio frequency bands. If you look at LTE today, I mean, we're talking about somewhere around a, a dozen or a dozen and a half different bands that are in use across the world. And it's just not realistic to have devices that can support all of them. And so roaming then is hampered because of that. And so it's nice to hear that they're at least talking about this. It does sound very nice. It's also essentially theoretical at this point because what is being used today is probably going to be what gets used in the future and uh, just based on what has been divvied out and what is available in different countries and so um, having one band let's just say the 700 megahertz band that makes sense for the u.s that makes sense for other parts of north america but it doesn't necessarily make sense for somewhere uh, like europe and that may be used for some other government purpose or potentially a private enterprise as well so there's lots of different factors that go into a decision like that but either way it's still very interesting to uh, to hear that and not Nice to hear that from the consumer perspective. Next, the smart home might be a popular way for people to feel secure about their home while they're away, but customers might be unaware that their security footage is being accessed and stored and that it can be used against them in legal proceedings. Uh, this is according to a senior policy analyst from the American Civil Liberties Union, and he says that they're seeing law enforcement across a variety of areas arguing that they should be able to access information with lower standards than before the electronic age. He says, if a lot of information is flowing out of your home, it provides a window of the things that you're doing in your private space. And he says that tech companies have already have the ability for thousands of requests for customer data each year from governments uh, to be uh, sequestered there. And that government intelligence agencies, as well as law enforcement, will be asking for things uh, well above things like your just your email and your phone records moving forward. And once your home security footage begins to be stored on a company's servers, then of course, the police could use that for 
certain uh, certain purposes of, of uh, discovery there. So interesting stuff there. The bottom line here is that if you are starting to do things with your home and you've got your home uh, sending out information onto the internet, there's a the possibility that this could be used against you in the future. Absolutely. It's just like what we have with email now and, and Facebook and Twitter and all these things. You know, at first they were, you know, kind of private. They were your, your own thing. But as more and more people sign on for services like this, uh, you know, law enforcement responds the same way and they start utilizing this uh, these services for, uh, you know, their purposes as well. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, online, you know, home security systems where you have like uh, Honeywell's Tolo Connect. There are, you know, camera support on that particular system. Uh, there's a lot of other things, but there's also private ones you can run uh, on your own internal network, you know, behind your own VPN, like uh, the Synology Cube Station has surveillance station. I have a camera that I use occasionally on that just to make sure the front door is secure it's uh you know it's my own thing nobody else can uh, log into it unless they of course have my credentials or hack into the server but that's kind of a whole different story this is not this is not a service that's a like a cloud-based service and that's really what this is referring to you know there are security services that are being offered now by the cable companies as well which is um it makes me raise an eyebrow or two <laughs> with something like the xfinity comcast home security system there certainly something like that um, you're essentially having your cable company providing your security, and you may want to separate those two things. But uh, either way, it's uh, it's a very interesting story here. There's a bit, two real ways that law enforcement's going to get uh, their hands on this kind of stuff. If you're someone who does have a connected home, it's either going to be through a warrant or through a subpoena. And uh, so there could be, uh, you know, there's more to it than just saying as soon as your information is available, then it's going to be uh, automatically found. But either way, there's, there's the potential for that moving forward, just kind of an interesting thing in a story that came up up this week. Moving on to some carrier news. Sprint on Monday expanded its rural roaming preferred program to include 12 new carriers. The increased footprint covers 34 million pops across 23 states and 352,000 square miles. The carriers involved include Southern Link Wireless, C Spire Wireless, Entelos, Next Tech Wireless, Flat Wireless, SI Wireless, Inland Wireless, Illinois Valley Cellular, Carolina West Wireless, James Valley Telecom, VTEL Wireless, and Phoenix Wireless. According to Sprint, its customer will be able to roam onto the 4G networks operated by those carriers and vice versa. Sprint further said it is working with these carriers to entice them to participate in Sprint's handset ecosystem. The result is reduced development costs and smaller carriers would then be able to gain access to those top-tier devices sooner. Virgin Mobile Tuesday announced the limited-time offer that reduces the price of its entry-level smartphone plan to $25 a month. The unlimited talk and text plan is available on select Android smartphones, including the LG Volt, LG Optimus F3, and Kyocera Hydro Vibe. The plan offers unlimited domestic voice minutes and domestic messaging, but no data. The plan is available to new customers only through September 2nd. Virgin is also offering a $5 daily mobile hotspot plan that allows select handsets to act as mobile hotspots for up to five devices. The plan provides 250 megabytes of data across uh, access and is compatible with the HTC Desire and Evo V4G, iPhone 4S, 5, and 5S, Kyocera, Hydro Vibe, LG Volt, and Samsung Galaxy S5. Customers need to subscribe to Virgin's Beyond Talk monthly plan in order to use the $5 daily mobile hotspot feature. Low-cost MVNO Palo announced two unlimited plans that cost only $20 a month. The plans are meant for basic phones, not smartphones, and they offer unlimited voice and either 50 messages or unlimited messaging and 50 voice minutes, each just $20 a month. Walmart customers can choose the existing $30 talk and text plan or the $40 unlimited plan. The new $20 plans will be available beginning on June 21st. T-Mobile on Wednesday announcing a new program called Test Drive. This will allow customers to use its network for seven days at no cost. The announcement came uh, on the uh, at a new Uncarrier launch event that they had this week where they announced multiple different programs. The Test Drive program will let customers to sign up. Uh, that starts today, June 23rd. And customers will receive an Apple iPhone 5S in the mail with an unlimited amount of T-Mobile services for that period of seven days. At the end of the seven days, the test drive customers can return the iPhone to any T-Mobile store with no commitment to sign up for the service. T-Mobile expects about a million customers to test drive the network in the first year it's offered. Apple is helping support the program by giving T-Mobile a million iPhones to them for free. This is an interesting way of going about getting customers to try out your network. Obviously, the uh, the services that are out there right now for customers to test networks include 
the costs that are associated with that period of time. So if you go sign up for AT&T or T-Mobile for, or excuse me, Verizon as an example for uh, for a plan, you're still going to have to pay for the service even if you decide to return it at the end of that period. T-Mobile is saying, nope, we're not going to charge you for it. We want you so bad, we're going to let you try the network for seven days. And if you love it, which we think you will, uh, then you can buy the phone and, and sign up for the service. Or if you don't, just bring it back. We don't care. We're not going to charge you for it. And obviously having a subsidized program uh, like what they're doing here with Apple and iPhones is obviously probably key to them in getting people to test these uh, these devices out because obviously it's one of the hottest devices that's on the market today. And, you know, I still think to the days of the, the iPhone not supporting the 1700 AWS band, but uh, of course that's long since gone and, uh, you know, you've got full, full support on T-Mobile with the iPhone. Yeah, I'm really excited about uh, about seeing this type of uh, you know these types of things get announced, and and even if the the other carriers don't follow suit, it's at least going to give them uh, something to think about here. And there's going to be some demands that customers are going to have moving forward. Like, really, I have to pay to try out your network? Type of comments I th- I can see coming out, and so uh, I think it's just a matter of time here before we start to see some pretty significant changes, which is what T-Mobile is looking to do. Well, and again, it's just another uh, you know another change here uh, in the market. It's uh, uh, you know they're whittling away you know piece by piece yeah let's let's keep going so they announced also uh, some expansion rollout stuff for their LTE network it's moving forward at a pretty quick pace the network now covers 227 million pops they're going to hit 230 million by the end of the month 250 million by the end of the year and they'll be finalizing their LTE build out across the entire footprint in early 2015 further T-Mobile has expanded the number of markets that offer voice over LTE it's now up to 16 those include the major metro areas around New York City LA and Chicago T-Mobile says voice over LTE is available to more than 100 million of its customers with a rollout on a total of four devices that includes the Samsung Galaxy S5 which will be made voice over LTE compatible with an over-the-air download expected here very shortly. VoiceOver LTE supports clear HD voice, which T-Mobile has boosted to a codec of 24 kilobits per second. And finally, T-Mobile has expanded the reach of its wideband LTE network, which uses a 15 by 15 megahertz swath of spectrum and 20 by 20 megahertz channels to improve capacity. T-Mobile claims its wideband LTE is capable of delivering theoretical download speeds of 150 megabits per second. Then T-Mobile announced its next move, a partnership with Rhapsody to offer free and discounted internet radio service to customers. It's called Rhapsody Unradio, and T-Mobile says the service addresses the pain points customers have with traditional internet radio services such as Pandora, namely limited skips, ads, and the lack of offline capabilities. With unlimited skips and o- those offline options and also no ads, Rhapsody Unradio is like an enhanced Pandora, and it will complete with uh, compete with on-demand services like Spotify, RDO, and even Rhapsody's premium service. It will be available for free to T-Mobile's Simple Choice Unlimited customers for those paying $80 a month or more for the services, while T-Mobile users will be able to get it if they're not on one of those $80 or more plans for $4 a month. If you're not a T-Mobile customer, the new Unradio service from Rhapsody is available for $5 a month. And finally, T-Mobile is announcing a new initiative called Music Freedom. The service allows customers to stream an unlimited amount of music on its network from major music providers. Customers on Simple Choice plans will be able to stream music without it counting against their data plans. To start, the offer includes Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Rhapsody, Slacker, Milk, iTunes Radio, and Beatport. Customers who hit their data limit for the month will still be able to stream music. Additional services can be requested for the offer, and T-Mobile can bring them into the program based on popularity. The current leader right now that I uh, have read about, it looks like it's uh, Google Music. Uh, Music Freedom is available for all Simple Choice customers. So the question here, does this really encroach on net neutrality? And this was asked, uh, in the presentation and the Q&A afterwards. And so uh, his answer was, um, do, you know, do you really think that us giving you something for free is related to net neutrality? And I guess the, the follow-up question to that is if you are giving away these services for free, are they going to be prioritized based uh, you know, on a higher priority for data streaming than the other services that would be potentially streaming music that aren't part of your program? And by doing something like this, Obviously, they're specifically getting uh, information about what this type of service is that you're using here and uh, offering that up uh, and, and not counting it against your plan, which to me, I mean, this really is, uh, I think, kind of the definition of net neutrality. 
Well, it's reverse net neutrality. So yes. what you do is if you give, you know, this service, this service, this service, this service, free data, and then you charge for all the other services, then you've just done, you've done exactly, uh, you know, the, what everybody's against is you've given, you know, you've given a certain, uh, certain groups of companies the ability to use data on your network without actually charging your customers for it. So you've, so in essence, you've then done this. So you can, you can do it two ways. You could then charge more you charge for having streaming music but they've gone the other way around so they're charging for everything else i wonder how this is actually going to affect the network quality that they have because obviously they've got enough bandwidth where they 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 feel confident in being able to do this but um you know i think about uh just you know using the 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 networks that i use now namely verizon and there are times when i can't stream slacker because there's not enough capacity and if there's enough people that start doing this i can see them you know them, them certainly having some issues going down the road well, I, uh, you know, I guess we'll just have to see what happens. I, I, you know, music doesn't use that much data. It's, but, but you do need to have a reliable connection. See, that's the, the difference. So we'll just have to kind of see how it, uh, how it plays out here. A, the, the average song, I believe, is uh, about a mega minute uh, streamed over a connection, give or take. I mean, just from a, you know, if you're listening to it at about 128 kilobits per second, it's I mean, just rough numbers, right? So if you think about, you know, how much you're streaming, you, you've got a good point here that if you're just listening to music going across the network at a, at a kind of a one for one clip, you're going to use 60 megs per, uh, per hour of data, which isn't that much. The difference, though, in, in how I'm looking at this is, like, for me, if you've got unlimited skips, like I do with the Slacker account, I'll skip through and I'll listen to, you know, 20 songs in a period of 15 minutes because I'll I'll start a song and I'll listen to it for 30 seconds and I'll skip to the next one or I'll start it and I won't even make it 10 seconds into the song before I skip it. But what, uh, depending on how good the network is, it's buffering that entire song when it starts playing. And so it's actually going to be downloading, let's just say three minutes, four minutes of a song and I'm listening to it for 20 seconds. So uh, just, I, I'm, again, I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be a problem, just something that could, could, certainly, uh, could certainly come up. So anyway, very interesting though, if you're a music streaming person like I am, it, uh, it piqued my interest and uh, maybe start to think about that and say, well, maybe, you know, this is, this is a good thing for, you know, those that are looking to stream music more often than, uh, than not. And they want to use it over their, their network versus Wi-Fi, And it could certainly be a, be a good way to, to bring people in if you're really a music lover. Well, it certainly is because uh, I mean, imagine not having to worry about that at all for your for your data. I mean, just play to your heart's content. I mean, that really is a it, it's really a big deal. It really is. Yeah. So let me ask you this: I I didn't see Sirius on here, and I know you're a Sirius user, and so it doesn't necessarily you know make sense to have it because for the most part you're streaming your Sirius. You're, when you're doing it, you're doing it not uh, or in a place where you have Wi-Fi, right? Because the only place that I stream music that I don't have Wi-Fi really is in the car, and you're just using the regular radio. So uh, would it would you be interested in 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 using something like this if they had the Sirius app uh, as part of this? You know, I probably wouldn't because that for just that reason, I have the Sirius tuner in my car, so I wouldn't dig out the phone and stream the Sirius app in my car. And and like you said, I'm basically in Wi-Fi everywhere else where I where I do stream the Sirius app. So uh, this wouldn't do anything for me, particularly in my case. But I, I can imagine a lot of people it really would. And of course, Sirius would be one I'd like to see added to the list. Of course. Yeah, interesting. Well, so I'm looking here just from a just trying to understand what it you know, I, I listen to Slacker quite a bit. And uh, out of the 2.2 gigs that I've used on my plan uh, this month, and I'm on my last day right now, uh, I've used 375 megs of Slacker radio. So give or take only 10 megs a day actually uh, split up over the 30 day month. So it's not all that much. I, I figured it would be a lot more. Uh, subsequently, if I look at my Dropbox, my Dropbox has used 230 megabytes of data, and that's just from my photo uploads well over cellular. Yeah, it's not so much the actual data you're using uh, for streaming, but it's the, the idea that you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that, I guess that's a good point, too. Um, I'm trying to figure out where all my data went, because that's a lot. How have I used 2.2 and only that much is, you know, whatever. It says uninstalled app 694 megs. I wonder what I uninstalled that I was uh, that used that much. Probably some other 
streaming service of some sort. Anyway, moving on here in uh, separate T-Mobile news, the carrier filed a petition with the FCC in hopes that it will help define commercially reasonable data roaming rates. T-Mobile does not want the FCC to set or regulate roaming rates for mobile data, but instead wants it to offer guidance on what is acceptable. In the request, T-Mobile called out AT&T for setting what it believes to be unreasonable rates. T-Mobile has been forced to throttle and cap its customers' ability to roam on AT&T's network due to AT&T's unreasonably high data roaming rates. This is precisely the type of impact on consumers that the commercially reasonable standard should be interpreted to prevent. Data roaming traffic carried by the substantially substantial majority of roaming partners other than AT&T is generally offered at rates that do not require throttling or capping. T-Mobile asked the FCC to act quickly, and as some of its most crucial roaming agreements are set to expire at the end of the year, T-Mobile was given a generous roaming agreement from AT&T in the wake of its failed attempt to purchase T-Mobile, AT&T's attempt that is, but uh, the exact scale of the agreement is unknown. The FCC mandated in 2011 that carriers allow competing devices to roam on their networks at fair prices. Moving on to device news, Reuters was out with a report this week that claims the iWatch is going into production later this month for a launch in October. The device from Apple is reportedly expected to be in the around 50 million unit production rate for the first year. The source said Apple expects to ship 50 million within that first year and then uh, potentially ramp it up from there. The watch is currently at a trial production in at Quanta, uh, which will be the main manufacturer according for at least 70 or counting to 70% of the final assembly, according to the source. The site also shared some key features of the device. It said that Apple will introduce a smartwatch with a display about 2.5 inches diagonally and slightly rectangular. The source added that the watch face will protrude slightly from the band, creating an arched shape and will feature a touch interface with wireless charging capabilities. The Wall Street Journal also joined the rumor parade with a published report claiming that Apple's upcoming smartwatch will sport 10 or more different sensors for collecting health data. The report claims that the company is working on multiple versions for the wearable device, which is expected to be released later this year. You know, the only reason I could really see Apple making a smartwatch at this point is because we saw in the iOS 8 from the keynote a couple weeks ago is that they are starting the health book uh, initiative here where they're going to be collecting health data and, and aggregating that from different applications into the operating system. So now it seems like a watch would make a little bit more sense as far as that particular tie-in. Yeah, and I wonder how much of it is actually going to be focused on health. And I, I can see quite a bit here because obviously the you know, the vast majority of people, uh, I think, you know, like the idea of a of a of a watch that, you know, is is kind of unique and, and whatnot. But um, is it really to get your text messages? Is that the, the primary driving factor for why you'd want a connected watch? I'm not so sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But boy, I know so many people with those uh, fit bands, fit mm-hmm. bits, jawbone ups and the uh, fuel bands and all these goofy bands. And they're really ugly. And I could imagine uh, so many people jumping on something that looks like a normal watch as opposed to these uh, goofy-looking bands. Yeah, I'm, I can see all sorts of different things that they would want to, you know, they'll, they'll, they, I know, you know they've been kind of watching this market and seeing how these things are working, and obviously something like the Samsung Gear where, you know, you've got the camera and everything on it, it just seems to be a little bit overdone. The Pebble, where it's got a almost minimalistic view, maybe a little bit too too far on the simplistic side, so maybe something in the middle. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens with that. Again, just rumors, but uh, two pretty high-profile mainstream media companies jumping in on them, so uh, certainly we can expect uh, something uh, if they're both talking about it. Well, as part of its annual shareholder meeting this week, BlackBerry CEO John Chen on Thursday announced that the company's next phone will be called the Passport and that it will launch at an event in September. The device will have a full QWERTY keyboard and an exceptionally wide screen no other details, though, were announced. At least it has a keyboard. At least BlackBerry is trying to do something right. It, you know, keep it unique because, uh, uh, you know, I saw a story this week that what did you say? Uh, what did I say? Did I send that to you, Mickey? It was like 4% of phones now have QWERTY keyboards on it or 1%? 1%. 1%. 1%. One per- plummeted over the past few years like something from it was like 25 percent 25 four years ago 25 percent four years ago to one percent today just unbelievable so yeah completely and blackberry i mean that was their market and they just they just left it also along with everybody else why not go back to it so at least this seems to make sense to me yeah and keep in mind that that keyboard number that is not just qwerty keyboards that's keyboards all together so that includes like regular you know 
10 key keyboards as well with the 12 keys including the you know the star and the the pound sign so yeah there's it's pretty amazing just how far that's that's blown it off i mean look at it how many people do you see walking around with blackberries i mean every once in a while you'll see one but you know one out of every hundred really is where it comes down to so anyway yes so the passport coming out in september that event will happen in london amazon this week took the wraps off the company's first phone the amazon fire phone the fire has a 4.7 inch display quad core 2.2 gigahertz processor two gigs of ram a 13 megapixel camera with f 2.0 lens and dual stereo speakers one of the main differentiating features is firefly which recognizes objects text and audiovisual content using a, uh, the camera and or microphone it's kind of like shazam on steroids is how the company explained it firefly has a dedicated button and does uh, as does the camera on the device amazon will make an sdk available to developers and let them integrate firefly functionality with third-party apps the camera driven dynamic perspective feature lets you view lock screens images and maps in a 3d like perspective using the four front facing cameras in the phone to track your face the ir based cameras will also be used to navigate parts of the interface the fire supports all amazon prime media services which include music streaming tv and movies and the device comes with one free year of prime membership that's a hundred dollar value it also supports miracast for streaming video directly from the phone over to a large tv nearby it also supports third-party music services such as spotify and pandora it includes unlimited online storage via amazon cloud drive it also includes a mayday 24 7 live support feature that debuted back with the kindle fire so amazon's bringing that over to the phone the phone comes with premium earbuds with a flat cord and magnets to keep them from tangling at&t has the u.s exclusive on the fire which will sell the phone for 200 dollars for the 32 gig version and 300 dollars for a 64 gig version both with a two-year contract it will be available starting on july 25th amazon.com lists the phone starting at 650 dollars without contract so how many years has it been that we've heard of an amazon phone coming I mean, yeah. it's been unbelievable amount of time for this one to come and, uh, you know, nothing to really blow you away. And it's just kind of a typical phone that we have out right now. And, uh, you know, one thing that Amazon or yeah, the one thing that Amazon does have going for it is just the the, the sheer number of people that really are getting uh, getting into Prime and they're addicted to it. I, I know a lot of people where it's like, oh, you know, I just click and order my toilet paper from Prime and I get it in two days. And and literally every little teeny thing, they just, oh, oh, I need that right now. And they just, you know, grab their phone quick and order it. So, you know, I could see somebody seeing this phone popping up on their Amazon homepage and say, oh, maybe I'd want one of those because, uh, you know, Prime, Amazon, I feel good about Amazon and the Prime. I love it. And, and I really hear those overwhelming positive things about it. So, you know, they, they do have a, a good tie in here that's unique out there. I wonder how many people have been sitting in the bathroom realizing that they're out of toilet paper and go on Amazon and order their toilet paper. It's pretty meta, isn't it? Anyway. <laughs> it's probably pretty common. Probably. I actually ordered an Amazon something from Amazon this week. I was out fixing uh, my bike and I was having a problem uh, with with the front tire and uh, the stem came out of the tube. And so I'm like, well, I'll just order a new tube and literally pulled the phone out of my pocket, uh, looked up the, you know, looked it up and it was like seven bucks and I've got prime. And so I just clicked on it and it arrived two days later. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's just, you know, fascinating to think about that. I could have driven to the store, but it really didn't matter. I just, I needed the tube at some point and I was just like, okay, this is great. And I didn't have to wait forever for it. It came in a day, two days, whatever. So I love it. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily going to make me jump onto a device. I could easily, I easily did that on, you know, my my iPhone, I can easily stream uh, the music streaming service on my iPhone. There's there's nothing uh, there uh, that is necessarily d- grabbing me to do to use this, and so I'm not really sure how many people are going to jump on this. But to your point, yeah, certainly I, the services are great. Um, you know what? One thing I didn't mention on here too is the photo aspect of this. It's got a 13 megapixel camera. And Amazon will be offering unlimited photo and video storage if uh, w- with with the purchase of this device as well. So that's a that's a big deal for those that are taking a lot of pictures. Yeah, and of course the tie-ins with their media service and their you know recently launched you know music streaming. This is going to uh, solidify the customers. You know with the Amazon Prime streaming, the you know I've been watching that more and more recently. My wife has a subscription to the Amazon Prime and 
and uh, there's a lot of good shows, a lot of stuff that has left Netflix and has gone over to uh, Amazon Prime Video Streaming, and a lot of stuff that just is not on Netflix. So, uh, it, you know, they're going to really gain some customers there, and obviously a lot of people like the the, the Kindle Fire. They I mean, they were kind of the first e-book, e-reader out there, and I think the, a lot of people will kind of tend to migrate with what they know uh, for the next phone. I, you know, and I'm not exactly sure, sure who this is targeted for, and I don't know if it's going to be a, you know, a huge seller, but I think it may be profitable for Amazon. Yeah, I mean, the profitability aspect of it could be could be a little bit, um, you know, could be, but there, there may not be a whole lot to that. I mean, they could be, obviously, with selling this device, I mean, the, the $650, everyone they sell is going to be profitable, just depends on what the inventory looks like. But, uh, you know, it is an Android-based operating system. It's a fork of Android. And so, um, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, it doesn't offer Google Play, the Google Play Store. Amazon has got its own uh, application store, which has got a couple hundred thousand applications in it most of the big ones that you would uh, that you would require and so you'll be kind of working through a different type of uh, you know ecosystem if you will but uh, certainly still running Android and so uh, you know they've done some things to tweak the interface to make it so uh, it, it's beneficial for the services that they use I don't know I just I, I watched it and I went yeah okay that's kind of interesting uh, you know it's it's just it's outside of the normal cycle of the iPhone and Android you know releases that we see really it's Android 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 iPhone, Android, Android, you know, and so now we've got this different one and, uh, you know, but again, still based on Android. Uh, but, uh, let's, let's stop or pause this here and move on to the next story, which actually is kind of related to this. And that's that, uh, in jumping into software that on the Android side, obviously one of the biggest complaints that people, uh, that, that we have and that people have about using the operating system is that the core applications that Android offers, uh, could not, uh, or cannot be updated outside of full system updates. And so that is now changing here. And uh, the latest of these applications to be pulled out of the operating system and be made available separately is the email application. Now, note that this is separate than the official Gmail app. It's a standalone app uh, that can handle IMAP, POP, and Exchange email services. And this is everything from enterprise services to Yahoo and Hotmail and also Outlook. An email joins uh, Gmail, Maps, Hangouts, the camera, and other downloadable apps so uh, Android owners can actually enjoy the new features that come out in these apps without needing that whole device update. Yeah, even they have the keyboard. Uh, the Google keyboard is now available separately, so they can update that independent of the operating system. And you know, all these Google services really have been broken out. I tried to do this on my uh, uh, touchpad. I still have the uh, the 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 Android uh, CyanogenMod. I think it's ten something, ten one, ten two. I don't remember which version on there. And this one's not quite compatible yet. So this this particular email application is only compatible with just a couple devices right now. But I would imagine that it'll expand here once they get kind of tested. Uh, and get it uh, get it out, but it's four devices that are running at least four point oh. Yeah, for I think it's four, isn't it four dot three or something or higher somewhere in there. It's uh, it, anyway. Yeah, typical. maybe that's maybe that one's it. Yeah, I can't remember exactly which version, but it's uh, it, it should be you know just one more one more thing in the list of Android software that's now separate. Yeah, and it's great to uh, to ultimately see that this is happening here. And uh, going back to the story about the Fire Phone is that you know you, you will see some updates to email going forward, and that device will be able to just download the app and update the app separately, and you don't need a full OS update. And this makes a lot of sense. Obviously, there's these core apps that you're using, and you want to see you know more functionality get added to it, and you you know you want to be able to do it as fast as possible. So I, I like this direction that they're going here. And it's not even functionality is uh, as much as security that you want the latest security updates when things like, you know, Heartbleed uh, uh, have come out and they can't update all these old devices that are out there. Uh, you know, they can going forward, but they can't, you know, with all the old devices. So this just helps that in the future. Yeah, indeed. And uh, lots of uh, lots of different things, obviously, that go into, you know, the functionality of a device. And, uh, you know, the applications themselves are <clears throat> pretty much first and foremost at this point in people's minds. So uh, good, good news here with uh, with this one here an email, obviously one that uh, a lot of people use, especially if you're using it in uh, the enterprise setting. Uh, BlackBerry on Monday announcing the availability of BBM Protected, a secure version of its instant messaging platform. BBM Protected differs from traditional BBM in that it creates a unique encryption key for each conversation requiring a passphrase from participants. It offers end-to-end encryption in order to create the most secure IM conversations possible. BBM Protected is the first product in BlackBerry's new eBBM suite. This targets businesses rather than consumers. 
uh, BBM Protected is now available to BlackBerry's business customers. In other BlackBerry news, the company also announced that the it will offer applications to BlackBerry 10 owners through the Amazon App Store. The deal will add Amazon's App Store to BlackBerry handsets running BBS uh, 10.3. BlackBerry says the agreement will give BlackBerry owners addition an additional 200,000 applications. Further, BlackBerry said that it will close its music and video content stores of BlackBerry World. The BlackBerry World Store, as well as the Amazon App Store, will continue to offer third-party music and video apps and services. BlackBerry is expected to release at BBOS 10.3 in September. And on the heels of Amazon's Prime Music announcement, YouTube is also preparing to launch a paid music service in order to compete in the streaming music game. According to YouTube, they said, we're adding subscription-based features for music on YouTube with this in mind to bring our music partners new revenue streams in addition to the hundreds of millions of dollars YouTube is already generating from them each year. YouTube has uh, said that their sources have that their sources have said that they have provided now signed 95% of the labels that are out there and uh, they are already in the works to offer music videos online uh, as well. Google and Microsoft this week announcing that they will be adding theft deterrent tools to their respective mobile platforms. The commitment comes after major cities, including New York and San Francisco, saw significant drops in iPhone thefts during the first few months of the year following Apple's included kill switch tools for the device when it introduced iOS 7 last September. Google has yet to explain specifics of its kill switch feature, but Microsoft said that it will add a switch to all devices running Windows Phone 8 and higher. The Windows Phone tool will allow owners to remotely wipe personal data from the phone, render the smartphone interoperable to prevent uh, reactivation without the owner's permission, reverse the the inoperability of the phone if it's recovered, and restore user data if the phone was erased. These functions will be added to Windows Phone's Find My Phone tool. Microsoft said that it will have the tool ready before July 2015 when a deadline by the CTIA was set for implementing such features. And Google made factory images of Android 4.4.4 available for download from its developer website this week, the OS for Nexus devices only, and Google has not indicated when it will be pushing out updates over the air. Questions and comments this week. First up is a comment from Kevin. He says, gentlemen, really enjoy the podcast each week. It starts my Monday commute off well. You mentioned applications using cellular data when you don't want it. You seem to imply that iOS lacks the ability to restrict applications in this way. In settings, under cellular, you can see a list of applications. These are the apps that may access cellular data. You can toggle their access on and off. Further, it shows how much data each is used, if any, since the last time you reset cellular data usage tracking. Also, speaking of Verizon's data speeds, I live in Long Island, and for a significant stretch of the Long Island Expressway in western Suffolk County, it only shows up as 3G. I find this completely unacceptable in this day and age. Also, in some areas of the northern shore, 1X is all that shows. I'm using an iPhone 5S, so I doubt the fault is on my end. Also, in my office in Nassau County, I will see two to three bars of LTE. Uh, However, sometimes I'll actually try to do any data, and it will collapse to 3G and even 1X occasionally. To me, this looks like false advertising as LTE is shown when you don't want to use it. Uh, In any case, uh, Long Island is an island heavily populated outside of New York City, and it's supplied with subscribers paying high monthly services. I've noticed T-Mobile service on both of my iPads is typically better than Verizon. Keep up the great work, Kevin. You know, obviously, Kevin making some good comments there and uh, much in line with uh, what we've seen and what we've talked about here on the show. And uh, thanks for that clarification on uh, iOS and how you can actually restrict the application's uh, data and what they're using on there. Yeah, that's absolutely the point. I guess we didn't uh, didn't intend to leave that out. I, I knew that's there, and I know you've seen it too because you were just looking at it before. But, uh, you know, looking at my list, I, I was curious to see what, what was using data. And there's a lot of things I've never even launched on my iPhone using cellular data so that's really exciting yeah that's interesting although i i would imagine it's in the kilobytes though right uh no some of them are in the few megabytes interesting okay well uh, either way lots of uh lots of stuff to certainly consider and you know jump into that as he mentioned in settings under cellular and then you'll see that list of apps down there next up is a comment from adam uh, adam is jumping on this comment as well about uh, background usage and he says guys just want to clarify something you said around android's restrict background data Options in setting data usage, uh, this does not completely prevent the application from using cellular data. It just restricts it from using background cellular data so things aren't happening when you are not in the app itself. So in this case, if you go to the Audible app and do the download and keep the app active, it will still use cellular data. Only when you move away from that app should Android stop using the cellular data. 
And next up here, a voicemail from Aaron. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Joey. This is Aaron calling from St. Paul, Minnesota. Soggy, wet St. Paul, Minnesota, I might add. Uh, We've had the most rain since 1871. So if any of your listeners need water, come here and take it away because we don't really need all this water. But uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to see what your guys' opinion was of uh, John Ledger, uh, the CEO of uh, T-Mobile. Um, this guy is uh, completely off the rails, or at least uh, many, you know, straight-laced Wall Street types might think that. Um, but uh, you know, here he was uh, just this past Wednesday. Uh, he made a statement that uh, about you know referencing uh, AT and T and Verizon. He said these high and mighty duopolists are raping you for every penny you have, and he says the effers hate you. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I agree that, uh, that, you know, Verizon or AT&T hate their customers, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly it seems like he's targeting a younger crowd, you know, um, and he wants them to think that they hate them, you know, um, you know, certainly it's just an interesting approach. Um, you know, he, he's, he's basically this brash, uh, CEO that seems to be really targeting like maybe a younger crowd, you know, they're, they're kind of jaded. They're not, uh, they're not, uh, offended by, by his language. Um, and certainly they've, it seems like they've got nothing to lose, um, really by, by being that way, by John Ledger being this way. But you, you can't help but wonder if maybe the, the brass at, uh, Deutsche Telekom, which, which owns T-Mobile might be cringing at, uh, at their thoughts. But anyway, let me know what you guys think of that or, you know, some commentary. And also, um, what do you think of uh, Sprint acquiring T-Mobile? Is, is that just a disaster? Um, it sure seems like it could be to me. It, it, it really, really reminds me of Sprint acquiring Nextel back in 2005. You know, they acquired this company that had a completely different network, uh, you know, and if you look at Sprint and T-Mobile, you know, Sprint has all these MVNO relationships that I don't think T-Mobile has. Um, they have completely different technology. And it just, I don't know, it just seems very similar to the whole Nextel acquisition. And I, and I think it could be a, a possible disaster. Um, and let me know, you know, what do you think this guy, do you think this thing will actually go through or do you think it'll be averted? You know, based on what we've learned from the the Nextel, will be will we be able to to avert this this terrible merger, or maybe it isn't terrible. Maybe there's something I don't know. But anyway, let me know what you guys think. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you very much for the voicemail. So let's jump right into it. Uh, first up, uh, John Ledger, uh, and thank you for for correcting the pronunciation of his name. I think I've been saying Ligiri for two years now. Uh, John Ledger, what's the opinion of him? Well. You know, I, I think he's he's doing something very interesting here, and he's he's bringing a shock and awe value to uh, to the business world. And uh, every time you see this, you see uh, two things: you see a lot of people that take notice of it because obviously that's it's something that is 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 very different than what is going on in the rest of the industry. Uh, but you also have a lot of eye rolling. And uh, to your point, it's almost cringe worthy a lot of the stuff that he's doing. And as you point out in in the quote. Um, you know, certainly he, he's saying things that are a little bit, you know, brash and uh, a little bit, you know, taken to the extreme, like that AT&T and Verizon hate their customers. Certainly, uh, that's probably not the case, but, um, I I think he probably does go a little bit too far in, in certain regards. Uh, yeah, definitely targeting a younger crowd. I think the edginess that he brings to the commentary that he provides is, is something that a lot of people do, uh, kind of, they'll just, I don't want to say agree with, but they can, you know, they can kind of get, they gather around what he's saying. And, and obviously, they're still a business. They're still making money. They're, they wouldn't be doing this just for the, out of the kindness of their hearts. And so uh, for them, uh, and it, it, T-Mobile, that is, they're obviously trying a strategy here that uh, it does appear to be at least gaining some traction. Obviously, we've seen them just gain a ton of customers here. The first quarter had more customers uh, go to them than all the other carriers combined. So lots of good stuff happening there for T-Mobile. So uh, while it, he may be a little bit too brash for me personally, I do think uh, what he's doing is having some good effects on their business. Okay, so you know, the, the mod, if we, we take a couple steps back here, the modern business environment, we've got kind of a 
we've got an old school and a new new school here. You know, T-Mobile's acting new school where we've got we've got a a spokesperson that's the CEO. We we we, we you know that used to be where they'd hire somebody for ten years and they would be the official spokesperson and that would be the face of the company and and sometimes they actually had you know hired executives that were like the spokesperson and that's who you saw representing the company. But 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 these days we we you know I, I'm gonna use kind of the Steve Jobs example. Steve Jobs was the face of Apple. Now, you know, John is being the face of T-Mobile here and, and putting a kind of a personification to the company where who, who's the CEO of Verizon? Do you even know? I, I can't even name it offhand. Uh, uh, I think it's you know, Lowell McAdam. Okay, but do you know what he looks like? No. Do you do you know anything about him? Do you know, have does he have any attitude? Does he represent the company? No, 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 no. So we've got, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of business uh, that they're, they're, they're kind of showing as a different way to run it. So he's obviously the underdog, you know, the T-Mobile still in the uh, last place here so what do you do you do something different and he's doing something different obviously with all kinds of services different uh you know trying to shake up the market here but he's also kind of uh you know representing the company different as well yeah and that representation though is i think what is uh is what the question is and and that's what you know at least the conversation is 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 that representation something um you know that the deutsche telecom executive structure is okay with are they okay with t-mobile us having uh having this this persona that is is almost like the wild child out there at this point and and uh, you know certainly trying to bring people in um you know, I think for people that are being able to choose their own devices, this is a, uh, you know, this is a decent strategy because obviously uh, there's still a, a big movement in, in business uh, that's still going on for the bring your own device, right? And so while it used to be where you went and you joined a company and they gave you a phone and they gave you a phone number and that was usually under a big corporate contract under either AT&T or Verizon, now it's a, hey, I've got a device already, you've got a device already, bring it with you when you come working for us and we'll just subsidize you for the cost of that. And if you have made that choice in the past to go to a uh, you know go to T-Mobile or if you haven't maybe you're looking to find it yourself a new carrier and uh, what they're doing may be of interest to you and so they're actually being able to capture some of that business traffic or that business customer uh, that they didn't in the past. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's a bunch of little things that they're going to gain traction on. And, you know, I, I think Deutsche Telekom has been trying to kind of unload T-Mobile here for a few years. So, I, I, you know, I honestly don't think they really care that much what, what the, the CEO is doing. They care probably more about the numbers and the profitability. Yeah, so let's let's transition that into the next question, which was, what about Sprint and T-Mobile? What does that kind of merger, uh, you know, what does that mean? And I, you know, I I think uh, you mentioned you think it could be a disaster. I think that's that it, there's potential for that, but at the same time, um, I would see a um, I would see the merger going very differently. I think it would be dumping of the Sprint brand, as I think we alluded to on last week's show, that that would go away, and now we'd just be on T-Mobile. Clearly, that brand is stronger today. You, you've got a lot of people. Um, the the only thing you ever really hear about sprint is oh, sprint you know I, I hate sprint you know it's uh it's this but you know, it's who i've had forever and so i don't want to switch and whatever but t-mobile customers t-mobile customers don't necessarily hate the service that they have in fact i mean this goes back to the 90s and and before they were even t-mobile and voice stream and and uh, aerial wireless and all them i mean it was kind of like they were the underdog and and they were the guys that were providing different different services and different features and you know, uh, Ledger's come in now and he's offering up, uh, you know, all sorts of different things that break away from the traditional model. And people people can, you know, can kind of side with that, feel a little bit more comfortable with that. So um, I, I don't know from a uh, I'm thinking about it just from completely not the business side of it. I'm thinking about it from a, you know, what they could potentially do with 50 million customers plus 40 million customers and, and putting it all together. I think they could they could create a, a brand that would be, you know, that could that could obviously be a, a big player in competition with what what the other two guys are doing they could you know obviously i agree with the fact that the technology makes no sense uh, i mean I, to me it does kind of seem like a nextel problem where it's none of it's compatible the spectrums are eh, they're kind of all over the place we've got uh, Sprint Spark using three different bands using, uh, you know, time division LTE versus the frequency division uh, LTE. We've got just all kinds of little differences and problems and different technology underlying. But the number of customers, like you say, will have 
an impact. And if they could start rolling customers from the Sprint network, get rid of some of that, use this, the, the spectrum to maybe consolidate some channels, some bands, whatever, and make a, you know, a really crazy LTE network, maybe then they would have some uh, power to really gain, uh, you know, customers o- over the long haul and maybe start competing with AT&T and Verizon. But, uh, you know, right now, I just don't know if that's possible or not. Yeah, and I think it's it's really ultimately going to give us a um, it'll it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out because if we talk about an AT and T merging with a T Mobile, the FCC says no, you're not going to do that. It's creating too big of a company, uh, but uh, creating a a company that's still in third ta- third place, taking number three and number four, combining them and still being number three. I think that's a different conversation. Uh, certainly, competition is something that the government wants, and they don't want uh, you know they don't want the consumer to uh, feel like they don't have an option when it comes to you know what it is and the service that they would be buying here, in, been to here. Um, you know, it, it's a. I think there's a potential that it could happen, and I we'll just see what that what this amount is, what this number is. Um, you know, is it fifty billion? Is it more or less? You know, that's kind of the I think that the tipping point is, and it's it's going to be a really big deal because obviously customers are incredibly valuable, and um, you know, maybe it's maybe it's it's on a different level. Maybe they continue to run the the businesses separately for a couple of years. I think they would have to. I mean, obviously, integration of those technologies is going to take take a lot of time, but um, you know, also frequency consolidation and stuff like that that would be potentially useful to them, I suppose, as well. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're talking about you know with the three bands on spark plus the multiple bands that t-mobile is using i mean you've got just all sorts of spectrum all over the place and so lots of stuff to uh to consider as uh, as you go through that but uh, anyway aaron thank you very much for the voicemail and of course stay dry up there in uh, the twin cities and finally today a question from josh he says why does google voices app for ios kick me out and make me log in it seems to happen about once a week thanks josh well um, this is, I believe, he's referring to when you're making phone calls. So, uh, Joey, tell me what you, what your experience is here. No, what happens is every once in a while it, it signs you out, so you then have to re-sign back in, and you have to enter your email and password, and then you have to reconfigure it again. You know, forward text to this phone, all this. It it, it does it to me every once in a while too. It uh, it's more like once every couple of months for me. So I, I don't know. Uh, oh, you know what it is? I know what it is. It's pro- I bet you it's the, the, the iPhone backup. Do you remember that, Mickey? There would be a, a thing if you do a backup, it would clear out your app data for some. There's something uh, going on there. I bet you I bet you that's what it is. Uh, but I can't remember what that setting is now that I'm thinking about it. So it's it's clearing your app cache uh, is, is somehow getting cleared on your app. But I don't remember how to solve that. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have not actually seen this type of uh, behavior. I, I guess I don't maybe use it enough to, to where I see that. But ultimately, I can see that being very frustrating if you're trying to, you know, go in and do something and you've got to you've got to re-sign in. I see it every once in a while with Google uh, different services. It's like after a week or so, it'll sign you out and you have to sign back in. But I don't know why I've, I've not seen it on on uh, on that particular one. But it, it happens to me all the time with my tabs in Chrome, uh, where it'll just, you know, I've got the, the tab itself will show a different icon on it because it's obviously been signed out and then I got to go sign back in. Um, does this mean that you, you're not getting your text messages then? Uh, yeah, it, it, because because I usually have it forwarded to my phone as a regular text message, whereas the default on the app, it, it's, uh, it sends just to the Google Voice app with the push notification. But since the app's not signed in, you don't get that either. So yes, you don't get any uh, text messages when this happens. So it really is an annoying problem. And I, I don't know what the solution is, and I don't know why it creeps up every once in a while. You know, the, the interesting thing about that, now that I think about it, is I get all sorts of text messages. I get, because the, my Google voice number is the number I have for all, all sorts of, you know, password resets and stuff like that. So yeah, I get, I get text messages all the time. I never see it fail. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one thing I would recommend is just uninstall the app uh, on the iPhone, delete the mm-hmm. app, get rid of it remove it, then reinstall it, and then re-sign it back in. Maybe that'll help you out. Interesting. Yeah. I just, just pulled it up. No, no issues. It pulled up just fine. In fact, I got a text earlier on it and everything is good. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that's interesting stuff that you're seeing there. We don't have a real clear answer for you there, Josh, but, uh, something we're both using and Joey's seeing it. I'm not. So let's try that. Uninstall it, reinstall it, see what happens. And you never sync it with iTunes and I do. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, never, 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 never. So that's interesting. Very good. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Questions at the cell phone junkie.com is the email address. Phone number is 206-203-3734. Either send us an email or give us a call. Let us know what you would like us to talk about. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.